Hey everybody, welcome to the Export I Raven X and alongside me as always is Biggie, aka Ethan Tate, aka somebody who I am sure is already banging in the drum for Jaw for MVP based off the first week and a half of the season. How you doing today, Ethan? I'm good. Uh slow day, restful day, so this always good. Yeah, tell me about it. Um, but we got a pretty interesting show for you guys today. Of course, we are going to talk the latest NFL trades that have taking place before next Tuesday's deadline, as well as which quarterbacks should be worried about losing their jobs after being benched in week seven. Also, with regards to the NBA, we're going to look at some interesting tweets that were liked by NBA players such as Gordon Hayward and Rudy Gobert and finish things out if the NBA is making the right choice with regards to how they're going to deal with NBA teams tanking. But before we get to any of that, please sure to check out the export.net. I repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get things kicked off with our college football player spotlight. So typically around this time of the year, we're still kind of questioning who's going to go number one overall. And right now, I think it's pretty safe to say that Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud is in the lead for that spot after having a bit of a rocky start this past Saturday against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Finished the game with four touchdowns and almost 300-plus yards. Leads the most explosive offense in the league. And I mean, well, in the nation. I mean, he's just been playing on a tremendous level. However... The Houston Texans hold the number one overall pick, and they've already said that they feel confident in Davis Mills. But, Ethan, in your opinion, once April rolls around, and let's say C.J. Stroud is still in that number one conversation, do you think that they would take Stroud or keep riding out with Davis Mills? I think they – honestly, I think they might take Stroud. I'm, it's like I'm torn. Because I can see them doing, they could either take Stroud. Um, but the reality is, is, like you take a quote unquote franchise quarterback and you don't really have weapons around him. Um, like, and they're on the shopping block for Brandon Cooks and he's like their best receiver right now. So I can see them going that route. But I also can see them being a team that, if they are um, legitimately saying that they want to stick with, uh, What's his name? Davis Mills. Davis Mills. Um, that they could potentially draft a, like a defensive player or a high O lineman. Um, just to kind of – because the thing is, is like the Texans roster, they have holes basically everywhere. Um, outside of right now, it's looking like the only like legitimate, like surefire spot is running back with Damon Pierce. So I can see them going a multitude of routes. I think me personally, I can see them doing something very similar to what they did when they took Mario Williams with their first overall pick and going with a guy like uh, Will Anderson to try to be a franchise playmaker on the defensive side of the football. That would be dope. Um, like you mentioned, I mean, the Texans have so many holes everywhere. And to be fair to Davis Mills, He's not necessarily the biggest problem. They're just not a good team. And I think that because of that, I don't think, like you mentioned, I don't think instantly drafting C.J. Stroud is automatically going to make them a significantly better team. So between the two, I can see them getting Stroud. But low-key, instead of using that first overall pick, I trade back. 
I feel like there are enough teams around the league that are in need to quarterback. For example, the Carolina Panthers, of course, are going to be looking. The Detroit Lions, they might want to move up a spot or two if they stay with their current draft position because, let's be honest, Jared Goff isn't looking like the answer. Um, Tampa Bay, possibly, if, uh, what's his name, Tom Brady actually does decide to retire, Atlanta. I just feel like there's so many teams that are in the quarterback conversation that if Houston really wanted to trade back out of that pick, I think that they could and get a really big return so that they could fill those other positions of need. But all right, let's go ahead and recap week seven. Starting with Thursday night football, the Arizona Cardinals beat the Saints in the return of D Hop 42 to 34. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys run over the Detroit Lions 24 to 6. Baltimore gets back on track, beating the Browns 23 to 20. Uh, Jets beat the Broncos 16 to 9. Titans keep standing strong in the AFC South, sweeping the Colts 19-10. Uh, Giants win by the hair on their chin, 23-17 against the Jags. Panthers upset the Bucks, 21-3. Washington Commanders get the better of the Packers, 23-21. Um, Joe Burrow puts on a show against the Atlanta Falcons, 35-17. Raiders come back against the Texans, 38-20. Uh, Seattle Seahawks get the better of the Los Angeles Chargers, 37-23. Chiefs beat 49ers, 44-23. And uh, some Monday night, I mean Sunday night football, Miami Dolphins get the better of Kenny Pickett and his three picks, winning the game 16-10. And then Monday night football, the Chicago Bears beat the Patriots, 33-14. Ethan decisively won the week going 10-4. I won six and eight, so not a great week for you, girl. But let's look at some injury news because there were some pretty big ones across the board, starting with the Cleveland Browns losing starting linebacker Jacob Phillips for the year with the pec injury. Baltimore Ravens running back J.K. Dobbins is going to be out for the next four to six weeks after having knee surgery. Chargers lose big free agent cornerback J.C. Jackson for the rest of the year after he suffered a ruptured patella tendon. And then, unfortunately, Ricky Phenom, Brees Hall, running back for the Jets, is out for the year with the torn. An ACL. Now, I know that they traded for James Robinson, which we'll get to in a minute, but how big of an impact do you think Brees Hall getting hurt has on the Jets? I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be a big impact from the aspect of like, he was an explosive playmaker in the backfield. Like, he was a guy that you can look up and he can get like those big, huge chunk plays. And James Robinson, like, he is a good replacement back, but his style of play is different. Like, he's the guy that you look up. He's a grinded-out running back. He doesn't really have, like, those um, the second gear necessarily to make those explosive plays of, like, 75-plus yard runs mm -hmm. that we've seen Brees Hall make over the course of this season. So I do think that's going to be the biggest impact from the Jets is, like, yet they aren't going to have that explosive running game that they've been used to. It's going to kind of be more of like a death by a thousand cuts kind of grinded out running game with James Robinson. Yeah, I think that's the biggest difference between the two as well, especially because James Robinson is fine out of the backfield as a receiver, but Brees Hall showed that he was really, really good. And as you mentioned, with that explosiveness and just being able to get into that second gear with the ease, I mean, I think that's what has helped make – this offense for the Jets so so good is just because he's been able to make big plays, getting guys like uh, Garrett Wilson has helped to stretch the field, and then their defense has been playing at a really good level. And so with all those things combined, I think that not having Brees Hall is going to be a really big blow. 
Um, just because, like you said, it's, they're just going to have to kind of force their selves down each other's throats, try to ground it out a bit more. And I think that they can do it, but I think this also puts the ball in the hands of Zach Wilson a lot more, and he hasn't been great necessarily, but the run game has been a big help. So it'll be interesting to see how their offensive uh, system changes. But I do think we're going to see a lot more Michael Carter, specifically in that passing game, so they can try to lessen the blow a bit. But all right, let's go ahead and give our top five takeaways of the week. Do you want to go? You want me to go? You want to alternate? How do you want to do it? We got All right, bet. So my number five is no matter who the Patriots quarterback is, if they cannot run the ball, they are screwed. I've been saying this even before the season started. I didn't necessarily love the Patriots offense. I felt like they didn't have many weapons on the outside. Their run game is solid. I really like Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris is coming off a good year. But against the uh, Bears this past Monday, they were totally held in check in the run game. And so I know people are really dogging Mac Jones for how he performed. And yes, when Bailey Zappi came in, they scored a couple touchdowns. But after that, he was forced to throw the ball a lot too and was going absolutely nowhere. So I think that Sure, there's a lot of questions about that quarterback situation, but honestly, unless they can get their run game back going, I have very little hope for this Patriots offense. Um, my number five is that I'm going to be honest. It's a it's another Patriots take. Um, that whole team has looked incredibly bad, and just me personally. I understand that Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Fame quarterback and a great quarterback, but I'm tired of him pointing the blame to other people. Yeah. Um, like it's one of those things to where I've grown. Like I grew up playing sports. I grew like my whole life, basically my whole majority of my life, in some way, form, or fashion, as a fan or as a player, or you know doing like this podcast has been like centered around sports and the thing that I always understand is that whenever teams lose the best player always takes the blame and like in the case of this season he hasn't taken the blame for any of it and like granted we understand like his receivers they've had miscues his defense hasn't played up to the level that um that we thought they were going into this season. The running game hasn't produced the way that we thought it was going into this season. The offensive line is worse than we thought it was going into this season. But if you're telling me you're the guy that's a Hall of Famer, that's a Super Bowl champion, and you're pointing the blame at everybody else but yourself, that's that's an issue to me. Yeah, that has been a big problem with regards to Aaron Rodgers. He does not take much accountability. That's something I definitely noticed about him. All right, my number four is the league better beware of the Bengals offense. So the first couple of weeks, it was clear that the group was trying to get itself together a little bit. But, I mean, if these two past two weeks are any indication, I mean, the Bengals are looking like they're back. I mean, back-to-back 400-plus passing games for Joe Burrow. Just had over 500 yards of offense. Jamar Chase is clicking. Back-to-back 100-plus yard receiving games with two touchdowns. I believe of their big three wide receivers, the only one who didn't get 100 yards was T. Higgins, but he was only two yards short. I mean, the Bengals' offense is getting back to the way it looked last year, and they look scary. And the crazy thing is they're doing this without much production from Joe Mixon. Like, he's not having that great of a year, but these receivers are starting to get back clicking. Joe Burrow has started looking like Joe Cool, like he did last year. So, 
opposing defenses get ready because the Bengals are really about to catch fire at the perfect time. Yeah, and uh, for a guy who's a uh, fantasy quarterback is Joe Burrow, I'm happy for it. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, my number four, the Eagles, the like, the Reeds just get richer. I know we're we're necessarily having covered the trade exactly, but the fact that they were able to get Robert Quinn just for a fourth round pick, and like this was a man that this past season had eighteen and a half sacks, like that. Like their front office, in my opinion, like they have, they have, um, they're a breakaway winner for executive team of the year for the way that they've constructed their team. And like with that addition, if everyone stays here, I think the Eagles are the runaway favorite in the NFC. Yeah, I think I have a hard time disagreeing with that. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, the rich just keep getting richer. Derek Barnett goes down. What do you do? You get a guy like Robert Quinn to come in, fill that role, and. I think that he's going to have a really big impact on, on along that defensive line that already boasts talented guys like Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave. All right, um, line number three, the Panthers may have beat the Bucks, but please, best believe they're still in rebuild mode. I know everybody's kind of excited and looking like, oh, P.J. Walker, Dante Foreman, blah, blah, blah. Nah, chill out. Like, not discrediting their win. They had a very good game. P.J. Walker looked really good against that Bucks defense, especially with their depleted secondary. But I think that we all should know that the Panthers aren't a contender. This isn't going to be the game that's going to all of a sudden turn their season around. They're still very much in a rebuild. I'm sure they're still going to start trading more players in addition to CMC and guys like that. Because let's be honest, they have a lot of holes on this team. And if they want to contend long term, they got to get back to work restructuring this roster. So everybody just chill out. We can rag on the Bucks and Tom Brady all we want to. But let's not sit here and act like the Panthers are really contenders. Um, my number three, honestly, it goes to the opposite side of the spectrum. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think, and it's funny saying this, and I know that we've had numerous of instances where we say we said this in years past, but I do finally think that Father Time was caught up to Tom Brady. Um, granted, I do know that his defense isn't healthy like Akeem Hicks is missing his sixth game on today and that's been a huge part their defense is incredibly undisciplined but in this um further year of age like Tom Brady doesn't have that magic that he had when he was younger to overcome issues because even with those things in New England like they were they were incredibly disciplined incredibly rare run but they weren't perfect no team is perfect and a lot of times you would have Tom Brady to lead like a comeback or just to galvanize the troops and I don't think he has the prerequisite talent to do that at this later year age anymore yeah I I couldn't agree with you more it's looking rough and I mean if Father Tom want to keep kicking his butt tonight and then let him go after this week that's perfectly fine with me too all right number two Juju Smith Schuster has found his perfect spot I know that last year, um, even, well, 
this after this past season, before he came to the Chiefs, he had visited the Chiefs, but decided to go back to Pittsburgh on a one-year deal. And I'm sure now, looking at the success he's had so far this season, he's kicking himself because him on the Chiefs is a perfect fit. Everybody knows that Juju Smith-Schuster is not meant to be a team's number one wide receiver. He thrived best when there were other talents around him. And on the Chiefs, he's surrounded by guys like Travis Kelsey, a really good run game, Patrick Mahomes, guys who can get the ball out to him. And so because of that, it's allowed him to get open and do what he does best and not necessarily catch players, people off guard, but find ways to get open and make those big plays. And I mean, like I say, he's been able to do that back-to-back weeks with over 100-yard games, had a touchdown, looked really good against the 49ers. And I think that I don't – I think Juju's on like a one or one or two-year deal after this after this season ends. But if I'm him, there's no way I would leave, even after the trade for Kadarius Tony, I think that Juju has found a spot where he's really going to be able to thrive. Oh, uh, my – What's these number two? Yeah. Yeah, number two. Um, I'm going to go to something that I think we're going to touch up on the uh, later on in the show. Matt Ryan is done. Um, I think that this is probably his last opportunity that he might receive as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Just I didn't get chance. I haven't got chance to watch much of the coach. At all this season, I mean, they're not a team that I'm really interested in watching. But as a Titans fan, I mean, my team, my favorite team plays them twice a year. And it's one of those situations where when they traded for him in the offseason, you thought if you – I didn't think he was going to put up spectacular numbers. But I thought he was going to be a steady presence for their offense. And, in fact, it's been the complete opposite where you can just see, like, the void of what you necessarily need to be a quarterback in today's NFL. I feel like the days of the pure stand in the pocket, don't move around, pocket passes are gone. And, like, the football peers of the world, they might disagree, they might hate it, but in the NFL where you have defensive linemen and linebackers and safeties that are as athletic and as physically gifted as you are, you can't have a quarterback that can't move his feet. And Matt Ryan is just has just been a statue back there for this whole first couple games of the season. And he also just hasn't made good decisions. I, like I saw how he kind of closed out the game against the Tigers, and it was like, hey, as a Tigers fan, I love you. But as a guy that saw Matt Ryan like win an MVP and like play really productive football. It was just hard to see. Yeah, it's I know we talk of everybody's talking about Russ and what's going on in, in Denver and rightfully so. But things are no better in Indianapolis and I mean it's it does suck. Low key, one of my takeaways was that the Colts are like the football gods are still mad at the Colts for how they did Peyton Manning because literally since then it has been a hot mess. I know people say, well, Andrew Luck, Andrew Luck never really reached his potential. Like he would make the playoffs, but always get bounced. Couldn't stay healthy because their offensive line was terrible. Then just as soon as their offensive line starts playing good, he retires. And then ever since then, it's been a hot mess. It's been a who's who of who. And this is all Jim Irsay's fault for ditching Peyton Manning and disrespecting one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So, forget y'all all right um my number one as much as it sucks for Brees Hall and that he's out 
Um, I think that it's now clear that Kenneth Walker has emerged as a leader for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Usually quarterbacks get this award. There's no quarterbacks even think about giving it to. The only one who's starting as a rookie is Kenny Pickett, and he's not getting it. Wide receivers have been fine, not crazy explosive games. So it's really just been the running backs, and it's been a tale of two guys, Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. And right now, Kenneth Walker is looking like he's going to run away with it. Just had over nearly 200 rushing yards against the Chargers, which, just a spoiler, he's my rookie of the week. Uh, multiple touchdowns. I mean, he's just seamlessly fit into this offense for the Seahawks and has been a really big contributor for them. And I think it's just a matter of time. As long as he can stay healthy, I think the award is good as his. Um, for me, my number one, I hate to say it, I gotta go I gotta go see your brother in law. Um Russ, not only have you looked bad on the field but the whole story about you working out for four of the eight hours on the plane, I'm starting to feel like, I think I'm starting to jump on the bandwagon of like a lot of people where it's starting to come across like this, this is just a facade. And it's like, bro, if you want to do that, it's fine, but you don't personally have to tell the story. Like, it's one of those things where you hear about the work ethic of, like, certain great players. Like, you heard about the work ethic of Kobe, but you never heard, actually heard about some of the crazy stories from Kobe himself. Yeah. You heard about it from other guys that were around Kobe. Like, you heard about it from LeBron and D-Wade and Melo on the Redeem team, Doc, where it was like he was up at 4.30 getting ready to head to the gym. Like, you never heard Kobe talk about what like, Kobe was doing. Did. Yeah. I get what you're um, saying. Keep going, I'm sorry. And yeah, and it's just like, yeah, bro, like, stop. It's like, stop trying to, like, it just feels like a front where it's like, I'm try- you're trying to show that you're just this great leader and this great quarterback. And it just, like, now we're starting to feel ingenuine. And, like, and then you think about the history of, like, Russell Wilson in Seattle, where it was, like, none of the other players on the team liked Russell Wilson. Like, Richard Sherman didn't like him. Marshawn Lynch really didn't like him. Bobby Wagner really didn't like him. Cam, like, in their heyday, he's their quarterback. He's their leader. And none of the guys on the team really liked them. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, it felt like looking back on that and seeing it now, like they just saw through the facade that he was trying to portray. I don't, I agree. Like he said some like random stuff, like the whole Wolverine's blood about healing from the hamster. Like he's definitely said some stuff that was like, bro, you don't have to say any of this. Just shut up. But I think, I feel like right now in Denver, he's overcompensating. Like, his first six games, they're two and four. He missed this past game. And I feel like he's been a guy who's been, who's won every year before this one. And I think that because the results are not immediate, I kind of feel like he's just trying to overcompensate for that. And I feel like he's trying to, just make it seem like he's doing everything he's can to get this team winning. Because, no, he has not looked good. 
I mean, he's had his moments, but other moments have, the bad has outweighed the good for sure. And of course, like the Broncos overall have been problematic, but as the quarterback, you're going to take the brunt of it. And because they traded for you this huge trade in hopes of making you the franchise guy and the Broncos are a team that have only been a quarterback away. Now they have a quarterback and it seems like they're still in the same spot that they've been in. So I totally agree. Like it's a little stuff that he's saying is like, yo, it's a bad, it feels like he's trying too hard. And I can understand how like stuff like that could really rub people the wrong way and just feel like he's trying to not not say he's trying to be something he's not, but he's just trying too hard to prove like he belongs or that, like you said, he is a great leader and he is this and he's that like, don't say it, be it like if you want to show all the hard work you're doing and how you're trying to get back healthy, kick the Jags butts on Sunday, like throw for 300 plus yards four touchdowns like let your play do the talking that's the easiest way to show your hard work in effect so I do agree I do think that he is doing way too much but all right let's move on to some positive stuff and let's kick things off with our most impressive player so Ethan for you offensively who gets the nod for you for me offensively it is Raiders running back Josh Jacobs um I think he had like 150 and three touches. Yeah, he went insane. I got him on a couple of my fantasy teams. Yeah, and like I know this has been a contract year for them, and I know that the Raiders have had a really up and down season. But to have a game where you basically put up numbers like you playing Madden on Ricky Mode, you always got a spotlight there. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, hey, just a friendly reminder, like you said, this is a contract year. They did not pick up his fifth-year option, so – with Baltimore's injuries at running back, I mean, if he want to come over there, I'll suck it up. I'll get over the fact he went to bum-ass Alabama. I know they're not bums. I'm just bitter. All right, uh, my offensive player is going to be Taylor Heineke. I mean, based off the start of that Packers-Commanders game, um, especially with Taylor Heineke, it was like, yeah, this is why he's not starting. Like, he did not look good. Uh, he threw a pick six, but after that, flipped the switch. He really came out and was dominating i mean finished the game with over 200 yards two touchdowns including an absolute dime to terry mclaurin i don't know if you saw that touchdown but it was over jair alexander it was beautiful made big plays when he needed his team too and just kind of showed why the commander's team and fan base were so excited for him and believed that he really could be the face of that franchise so i gotta give it up for taylor heineke all right what about defensive player because this one was really hard for me it was. Um, I got to go with Chris Jones. I can feel that. I can feel that. Uh, all right, so I'm I'm going to go back to the crib, go back to the squad, and I'm going to say Baltimore Ravens. I was between two linebackers, but in the end, I ended up going with Justin Houston. He missed the last three games. Mind you, he's on the wrong side of 30. People question if he can come back and be the guy. He showed on Sunday that he could be that dude. He only played 16 snaps in his return game, but had two sacks, including a strip sack. Um, our defense had five sacks overall against the Browns, and he was a big catalyst for that. So it was between him and Patrick Queen, but I gave the nod to Houston just because he did more in less opportunities. All right, who's your most disappointed player? Most disappointing. Uh, let me think. You want me to go? Yeah, because I haven't 
I haven't had a chance to watch games as much this year. Just because I work, like, I work on Sunday, so I'm just trying to remember, like, these things that stuck out to me. Oh, no, you good. Uh, For me, I'm going quarterback Kenny Pickett. I mean, this was a very – especially down the stretch, the Steelers' defense was doing everything they could to keep the Miami Dolphins at bay. However, Kenny Pickett just – ugh, just three picks, which is already bad enough, but that last pick at the goal line – I know it had to be infuriating for Steelers fans, which, you know, I don't really care about Steelers, so I'm not mad about it. But it's just moments like that where it's like, come on, Kenny. Like, I understand you're a rookie, but you can't make plays like that in a winnable game, in a game that you guys kind of need to kind of get back on track. You won last week, but you got to string together two wins to kind of not make your season look as bad as it is because there's a big difference between being three and four and two and five. So Kenny Pickett, I get it. You're a rookie, but you got to – in the crucial moments, you got to play at your best. Stop making boneheaded decisions because that last pick was terrible. Actually, I know who I'm going with. I, and it's going to sound weird because these stats actually weren't that bad. I'm going with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, oh, you talking the about the safety? Pick. Yeah. And it's like he, it's like he just – his overall stats weren't that bad. He, th- he had 303 um, passing yards, two touchdowns, and he had an interception. But, like, they were in that game um, for a stretch of the fourth quarter. Because that's, like, really the only game that I watched was, like, the fourth quarter of that game. Mm-hmm. So, Sunday. And it's like, he just made, like, bad decisions that ultimately I feel like ended up costing him the game. Because – when you're playing a team like the Chiefs, you have to execute. You essentially have to be perfect on offense yeah. because they're such a, uh, a big play, like splash play offense, even without Tyree Hill. Like you talked about Juju. Juju, like he's a, he's not – he doesn't provide the speed element, but Juju is a guy where like you can give him the ball, he can break a tackle, and you look up and he's gone 80 yards down the field. Right. So I got to go with Jimmy just because I feel like his execution down the streets cost him that game. Yeah, and especially if your defense has to be doing its job as well, and it's clear the 49ers absolutely were not. And so if you know your defense is struggling against a team like the Chief, you like you said, you essentially got to be perfect, and he was not. All right, I already told him myself my rookie of the week was going to be uh, Seahawks running back uh, Kenneth Walker. 23 carries for 168 yards, two touchdowns. I mean – it's a bad man right there. I mean, it got for me. It has to be Kenneth Walker because uh, he's from Memphis. So yes, yeah. he is. I know. If I well, I almost said I wish Memphis would have offered him, but then again, it's like we and Memphis has turned out some good running backs. We got mm-hmm. what three running you know, backs in the league right now? We got three in the league right now. We got D'Angelo Hall, that's a, 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 a all-time great. D'Angelo target. Williams. Yeah, there's the Williams. I'm yeah. sorry. And Tony Pollard is looking like he could be a starter. Sooner rather than later, he's going to be a starter. And to, in my personal opinion, Antonio Gibson should still be the starter in Washington. Agreed. And Kenneth Gainwell, like, I think he's a guy that's going to be really good for the road for the Eagles. Like, I don't think he's a starter for them, but he's a good, like, utility guy for them. And then Daryl Henderson is going. He's now the lead back in uh yeah. in L.A. 
which I don't start about. I haven't heard none about Cam Akers getting traded recently. But, yeah, so, I mean, my mistake is four running backs in the league out of Memphis. So, Kenneth Walker's balling out, and that's great. But, you know, he, he should have been wearing the blue and silver. But it's all good. But, all right, let's go ahead and move on to this upcoming week of football, starting off with the news that Todd Gurley is reportedly done with football. He told Mike Garofalo of NFL Network that he was done with his career, and, man, what a career that it was. Um, During his time, he was a – as we all know, he was a 10th overall pick in the 2015 draft, named uh, Offensive Player of the Year – during the year they went to the Super Bowl, I believe. Offensive rookie of the year, a three-time NFL All-Pro, three-time Pro Bowler, and led the league in rushing touchdowns twice. I mean, Todd Gurley was a bad, bad man in his day, but it does beg the interesting question of, do you think that he will end up being a Hall of Famer? Uh, no. I think... He did, like, when he was in his prime and in his best stretch of his career, he was definitely, in my opinion, the best running back for, like, maybe a year or two in that stretch. But I don't think that that's going to garner him, like, a Hall of Fame birth. I don't think so either. Because he was amazing. But, I mean, he only really had, what, five years? Yeah. And... Even though, like I say, he put forth a really good resume. I mean, the driving force behind the Rams when they went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Patriots. I mean, he was terrific that whole regular season. But injuries really just cut short what could have been a terrific career. Unfortunately, really hasn't done much since then. So, I love me some Todd Gurley. He's one of my favorite backs to watch. But, nah, I don't think he's going to make it either. Um, You mentioned the Chiefs a little bit ago. They are going to be without one of their leading edge rushers, Frank Clark, for the next two games after he was suspended uh, for violating the personal conduct policy. Not his first time getting in trouble. And then let's move on to the fun stuff. There was a lot of trades that have taken place over the past few days. So what we're going to do is we are going to grade the trade starting for the Dallas Cowboys who beefed up their defensive line trading for Raiders D lineman um Jonathan Hankins in exchange for a 2023 six round pick I like the move I don't think Hankins is gonna be like a huge impact guy but he's good depth so I give it a C plus yeah I give it a C plus especially given the fact that the one weakness of this Cowboys defense has been like defending the run All right, moving on to Robert Quinn being traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. We touched on this a little bit ago. But as you said, we got him for a pretty cheap deal. Only cost them a fourth-round pick. I think this is an A. I honestly think this is an A+. You gave up a fourth-round pick for a guy that could potentially put up double-digit sacks. And I understand, uh, I understand, like, before he got – like, in this season, he's only had, like, one sack. But that doesn't attribute to how great of a player he is. I think that in the sense of, like, he does, he hasn't lost production. I think that attributes that he's such a great player that he's just received, like, basically all the attention on the defense that's devoid of talent. Because when you think about the Bears' defense, the only talented players are, in my opinion, are him, Roquan Smith, and Eddie Jackson. I'm going to throw uh, Jaquan Brisker in there as well because he has been balling as a rookie. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, and then like you mentioned, I mean, because there's really nobody on that front in terms of pass rushing aside from here, like, of course, it's going to get double and triple teams. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. So I think being with the Eagles who have so many other pass rushers, I think that's going to really open up things for them. All right, moving on to news that broke this morning. Kadarius Toney, former first-round pick for the Giants, has been traded to the Chiefs for a conditional third-round pick and a sixth-round pick. I think this is a solid B+. It's a lot of mouths to feed now in Kansas City, but, I mean, it gives you kind of one of those versatile guys, not in the same, not speedy as Tyreek Hill, but a guy who you can use all over the field and get production. So long as he can keep his head on straight, I think this is going to be a great move. I give this a A simply because I think a big issue, a big the big issue with Kadarius Tony wasn't necessarily the fact that he could be a productive player, but his head space. Yeah, and, and I think this situation with the Chiefs is very similar to like the way um, Andrew Wiggins was in the NBA when he first signed with Golden State, like. We never questioned if Andrew Wiggins was a talented player or if he could be a productive player. But he, when he was in Minnesota, he was in the, a place where he was expected to be the number one guy. And it turns out he just was never that guy. He could never pan out to be that guy. And a lot of it had to do with like mental, um, like mental, mental miscues and things of that nature. And I think for the Giants, like, they were looking at, at least from what he did last season and, like, the expectation going forward this season, they were expecting him to be the number one wide receiver. Like, I know they have Kenny Galladay, but his first season with the Giants, he didn't really produce much. But Kadarius Tony looked to be, like, a steal of a number one wide receiver. And you put him in a locker room with Juju Smith-Schuster, who has won – who has won games in his league before and has been a productive wide receiver. You put him with uh, Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. You put him with a Travis Kelsey. You put him with a Andy Reid as a head coach. A coach that is one of the more like player-focused um, co- head coaches in the NFL. Like You can look up and you can see Kadarius Tony being productive for the remainder of this season. And he could potentially be the Chiefs' number one wide receiver for seasons in the future. So that's why I think it's an eight. Yeah, no, that's very true. I mean, I'm going to disagree with you with regards to when he got to New York because I think he only played a handful of games. He, he did. Yeah, he didn't play that much. And then I think that, honestly, last year was just a hot mess for the Giants across the board. And, I mean, it just seemed like he never started to mess with Brian Dayball. And so – he needed a change of scenery. I think by getting that, I think he's going to put up crazy numbers once he really gets into this playbook and gets into the system. All right, so next up, James Robinson to the Jets. A move that we talked about a bit. I give it a B. I give it a B plus because I, I look at it from the standpoint of this season, he can, he can still help them win, guys. But I think me, me and you talked about it off air, whereas if you get a healthy Breeze Hall – next season and you have Giants Robinson and like them splitting backfields you can get that dynamic duo similar to D'Angelo Williams um, Jonathan Stewart Chris Johnson um, Linda White smashing dash out the backfield I can see that I think that I think early on it'll probably be that just because they don't want to throw 
uh, Brees Hall back into the fire after recovering from that ACL. But I think some running backs are just too talented to where you don't want to, like, take away their carries. And I think that if Brees Hall comes back and he put forth another year like he did this year, at least the first half, I think it's going to be real hard to deny him more carries. So I think, unfortunately, it could probably end up in a situation kind of like James Robinson just had in Jacksonville where Travis Etienne was playing so well that Jacksonville was like, we don't really need James Robinson, and they trade him. Um, but I think it'll be a very interesting dynamic. It's a great move for the Jets this year, especially because they do need that extra body in their um, – offensive backfield but all right last one Christian McCaffrey to the San Francisco 49ers and low-key when this news dropped I was mad at myself because I didn't think about how great of a fit this would be um Christian McCaffrey is sent to the 49ers in exchange for 2023 second round pick third round pick fourth round pick and a fifth round pick in 2024 even though this is a bit of a haul and the Panthers definitely uh they definitely got the bag for it. I love this move for the 49ers. I'm gonna give it an A minus. The minus comes from if they can, if he can stay healthy. That's the biggest question. But if he can stay healthy, I think that he creates another dimension in that offense because you always have to worry about what George Kittle is going to do because he's still such a great tight end. Debo Samuel, a guy who can do a little bit of everything for you, even though of course he's not going to run the ball as much with CMC there. And then you just look at the other bevy of running backs that they have, like Jeff Wilson, um, Elijah. Running back who started this season, Elijah Mitchell, got hurt. Um, TDP, who they just drafted out of LSU. I mean, one thing I will say is I don't think Kyle Shanahan is as great of a coach as everybody makes him out to be. But if anybody on that team is going to eat, it's going to be the running backs. And I think just with all the bodies around him, I think that Christian McCaffrey is going to end up having a crazy production with them. Yeah, I give it up. I give it an A minus as well, like you said, for health. I think, like you stated, the biggest thing is like when you add in CMC, he's healthy. The 49ers probably have the most versatile skill group in the NFL because we all know what Debo Samuels can do as a wide receiver and a ball carrier. We know what Christian McCaffrey can do as a wide receiver um, and a ball carrier. Primarily a ball carrier. Um, then you throw in a guy like George Kittle, who can not only be a great receiving tight end, a great blocking tight end, but you also can look up and he can kick, he can get a couple end around carries in a game. And the same thing with Brandon Ayuk. Like they have a bunch of guys that can do a bunch of different things, and like you can have like a really um, unique, intricate offense because you can interchange guys. Like, just think about the concept of this. You go, you, you line up against the 49ers. Christian McCaffrey's in the backfield. You motion him as a wide receiver. And then you motion Debo Samuel to the backfield. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something that's going to throw deep because you don't know, like, are they going to give it to Debo? You can fake it to Debo and throw a bubble screen to Christian McCaffrey. Right. Like, I think it's going to be, like, the 49ers' offense is going to be the ultimate game of chess because they have so many um, versatile pieces. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. So, it's going to – I think that's going to pay huge dividends for them as the year goes on, like I said, especially if they can stay healthy. But, I mean, those are the people that we know got traded. There's still a lot of guys whose names have been mentioned. 
um, in that trade discussion. For example, Jets second-year wide receiver Elijah Moore, who expresses displeasure with the team, requested to be traded after seeing a huge decrease in targets. Honestly, if Baltimore wanted to make that move for him, I would not complain. But there was a very interesting uh, tweet I saw about the situation uh, from Joy Taylor on uh speak on fs1 who said i'm very pro player but who was elijah moore what have you done in this league that gives you the leverage the jets are winning without you and that does kind of put things into perspective to where like you are a second year guy last year you showed flashes but i mean you weren't the best rookie wide receiver by a long shot and so it's like i don't think he has any leverage in this situation which is why i don't think he gets traded but what do you think do you think he has actual leverage to be moved because right now i don't think he does I don't think he does either. I think um, I think the only way he has any leverage is that the potential of him creating locker room division on the team that's winning football games. Like I think the Jets that have bought into Robert Salah as a head coach, who's been really good, huh? who's been a good coach over the past year, especially defensively, they look really good. Yeah, so like they bought into his philosophy, especially like I said on defense, and like there you can tell that like they're playing his brand of football. Whereas like you drafted Zach Wilson um, with a high pick, but like you don't look up and you don't like Zach Wilson has been good, but you don't see it being a situation to where like they're trying to force the high overall draft pick um, onto Zach Wilson that you do with other quarterbacks, where you see them like having him throw the ball a ton. Like, they're a, a defensive first team. Right. They, they run the ball. They manage the game. And, like, every now and then, Zach Wilson has to make – kind of similar to Dak Prescott when he was in Dallas, where every now and then he would have to make a good throw or make a play with his legs to win a game. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that – not to say he'll get over it, but, I mean, this is the second Jets receiver who's requested a trade. Denzel Mims did before the season started, and as you can see, they both still here. I don't think any changes are really going to be made. Though I do think Elijah Moore should be targeted more because he is very talented. I don't think he has enough – he don't got enough juice to really – get it get out of there though all right another guy bradley chubb who has not requested a trade but with the struggles that the denver broncos have had his name has been brought up in the mix uh for example the belief is that if he does in if the team does end up losing to the jacksonville jaguars he could possibly be moved before thursday's i mean tuesday's deadline so in a realistic world let's take our let's let's take our bias out of it Bron let's say Broncos do lose on Sunday. Bradley Chubb is available. What team do you think is the best fit? The team that I think is the best fit for Bradley Chubb? Yeah. And you said take biases out of Bias it. Bias out of it. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Low-key, I was going to say the same thing. Especially, like, TJ Watt is finally able to get back to practice, which is great. But I saw a stat where it's like, they are the they rank in the bottom in terms of like sacks this season, which pretty much shows 
TJ Watt, he has a big impact, and God forbid he gets hurt again. I think it's just going to be the same case of them not being able to get pressure. So I think by getting a guy like Bradley Chubb, I think that that would be a great get, especially because, honestly, it's already looked like they're going to have an early round pick. They're not going to use that on the quarterback, don't need it on the wide receiver. They could definitely use it on the offensive lineman, but I think that they would probably go defensive line or pass rusher. If they were to trade that for Bradley Chubb, I mean, they would get that right there. All right, another guy who has created some buzz, Kareem Hunt. He requested to be traded in the offseason after not getting a contract. However, the Cleveland Browns said no. However, with the 2-5 and five start to the year, they might be a little open to it. So, same question, bias out of it. Who do you think should make the move for Kareem Hunt? Bias out of it? Uh... Yeah, they they desperately need a running back. All right, not to copy off of you, I'm going to say, I would say the Raiders. And it sounds crazy because Josh Jacobs is having such a good year. And I think that that is great. But I think that when it comes to catching the ball at the backfield, they don't necessarily have that. Defenses already have to worry about Devontae Adams. Hunter Renfro has been essentially a non-factor. Darren Waller has barely been on the field. They could very much so use somebody else who could help stretch the field in that regard. I think in Kareem Hunt, you get to kill two birds with one stone. On the one hand, you get a nice uh, back who can spell um, Josh Jacobs, give him some breaks. And on the other hand, you get somebody who's a really good receiver out the backfield, could dominate defenses on running back screen. So I think that makes sense. And if he needs to be your back in the long term, if you can't come up with a deal with Josh Jacobs, I mean, that just works as well. All right, last but not least, we all have been talking about the Packers and their need for a wide receiver. Should they sign Odell? Should they make a move? Well, it seems that there is one wide receiver who has been in their uh, in their sights, and that is uh, Chase Claypool of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who the team is reportedly very high on. Um, apparently, teams have been inquiring about him, and the belief is in order to get him, his price tag will be similar to that of CMC, which would include multiple second-round picks, a third, and a five, which seems a bit pricey, but a team like the Green Bay Packers obviously are desperate and wide out. So, Ethan, should the Packers be all in on getting Chase Claypool? No. I think he has the intrigue and the talent and the skill but one of the things that we've seen out of Chase Claypool in his young NFL career is he makes a lot of dumb ball headed plays like this like this past season previous season the in the Vikings game against game. the Vikings yeah. where they could have won the game if he hadn't I forget exactly what it was that he did I just knew it was something that was incredibly bone-headed. He, like, celebrated after getting the first down as time was going down and then having yeah, the timeouts. Yo, that was it. And so, like, if you get a guy like that and you pair him with a, a guy like Aaron Rodgers that's already disgruntled because of the wide receivers that you have, and, like, being completely honest, Chase Claypool hasn't produced that much since he's been in the NFL. He, like, he's a... Definitely, he's the proper definition of like talent isn't everything because he he's one of the more talented wide receivers. You can tell that he has the physical traits. He's made some spectacular catches. He's had some games where he's shown that he could be a dominant wideout. 
but he isn't, he hasn't chained it together on a consistent level. And you pair that with him making like, where it's like football IQ plays that aren't smart. So you have, you're going to, you're going to essentially give a King's ransom to get him to pair with the Aaron Rodgers that's already upset, plus still have the other wide receivers that aren't really producing. Like, I don't think that that's worth it. It's and then it just reminds me of how he randomly called himself a top three wide receiver this offseason, like unprovoked. Um, but I I think that they should go after him. I I think he had not think he has shown talent. Not this season. Like the first few games, like he's been a non factor. I think this past game against the Bucks was his best game. Um, but other than that, he's done very little. But I do think he has that potential. I mean, his rookie year, he to me in my opinion, I think he's a better wide receiver overall than Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson may be the one, but his hands are questionable. And I think that with Chase Claypool, you don't have as much of the same problem, but he's not getting those same targets. And like you said, he makes those boneheaded decisions. I think that if you put him in a locker room with a guy like Aaron Rodgers who could work with him, one that would help elevate this receiving group, give him his best receiver. But also I do think that it would help him kind of mature a bit just because it's kind of that necessity thing of like for guys when they play with a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady when like they get with these guys, they recognize they got to cut the BS or they're not going to have a job. And I think that a change of scenery for Chase Claypool could be a good fit. And also just the Packers need a wide receiver. And there's really, outside of Odell Beckham, there's nobody in free agency who you really would want to make that move for. So I think they should do it. Even if it's just a last gasp effort to make Aaron Rodgers happy. Because I I still believe he's done after this year. He's not coming back. But one more thing before we get to our quick game believable or buffoonery. Multiple quarterbacks have gotten benched in these past couple of weeks. So let's go ahead and start off with Jameis Winston. Even though he is reportedly healthy, the Saints have decided to keep riding with Andy Dalton as their starting quarterback. Ethan, when is Jameis getting his job back, if at all? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think he is. I think he... The reality of it is... is this season, you see the impact that Sean Payton has had on the New Orleans Saints. Yeah. Um, every year that Sean Payton was the head coach, whether it was Drew Brees for, I think, 10-plus years, or it was Jameis before he got hurt, the offensive side of the football just always clicked. Yeah. And now with Dennis Allen as the head coach, like, the defense has been solid. It hasn't been as great as it's been in, like, the season past. But the offense just doesn't click anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you don't have an offensive guru and an offensive mind of a head coach, and, like, you have a quarterback that isn't as talented as you need to be to win games and, like, can still make mistakes – from a um, decision standpoint, like, it's going to show up more because, like, Sean Payton, he can scheme guys. He always can scheme guys open. And, like, now you don't necessarily see guys getting schemed open. Like, it's kind of more like they're just – their offense is just stagnant. And so I don't think he's going to get his job back. And I think that depending on where the Saints look, if they – they might be one of those teams that take a chance on one of these quarterbacks in this upcoming draft. 
which is kind of yeah, I feel you on that. I don't think I'll say this. I think he'll get his job back, but I think that because what? Who the Saints play this week? They play the Raiders. I don't think they win that game. I'll say this. I think that it's going to take a few more bad performances from Andy Dalton in order for him to lose his job because I don't think either of those guys are going to be their quarterback next year. Um, so just because of that, and plus it's not like Jameis is on this crazy expensive deal. I love me some Jameis. I want him to get the job back, but I mean, he's had opportunities this year and he has not looked good. And so because of that, I think that the Saints would rather play it safe because I mean, looking at the NFC South, they are still in it because the Bucks have been losing. The Bucks are what, three and four? I think they're three and four. They still have a chance. So I think that they're just going to keep riding the hot hand until that hand's not hot anymore. All right, and then let's move on to Mac Jones, who was injured the past few weeks, and Bailey Zappi, a rookie quarterback out of Western Kentucky, comes in and does a pretty solid job, so much so that when Mac Jones got the start on Monday Night Football against the Bears, when he started to struggle, Patriots fans were clamoring for Bailey Zappi to get back in, and to be fair, he did have two touchdown drives, but then after that, in the second half, he was 9 of 16 for 76 yards, two picks, and a fumble. Not pretty. Uh, it was announced that Mac Jones was going to get the start this week against the Jets. But Ethan, do you think that Mac Jones' job is safe, or if he has another bad performance, Zappy will be put in? I think if he has another bad performance, Zappy will be put in. Um, I just think the reality really is what you alluded to earlier, whereas if the Patriots aren't able to run the ball, regardless of who's their quarterback, it's not going to be a good outing. Um, but I do think that they've had somewhat better success this season with Bailey Zappi. Um, so I think that they will be kind of quicker to go to him than try to ride it out with Matt. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, especially because it is a team like the Patriots. Like, they don't care when they drafted you or how much money they signed you to. If it's not working, you're not going to play. And so I do think he is on borrowed time, which kind of sucks. But, I mean, it is what life in the NFL. I mean, NFL, the acronym is commonly joked for not for long. And that's pretty much where it's standing right now. All right, last but not least, uh, <laughs> to start the week off, Frank Wright, head coach of the – Indianapolis Colts announced that um, Matt Ryan was going to be benched with backup quarterback Sam Ellinger making his first start of the season. Reportedly, Ryan has a grade two shoulder sprain and will not practice this week. But Frank Wright also made mention and said the plans are for Sam Ellinger to be the starting quarterback for the rest of the season, regardless of Matt Ryan's injury. You already alluded to it, but... Do you think Matt Ryan is done, done? Like, even after this season, nobody's going to pick him up? Or how how done is Matt Ryan to you? I think I think he's done to the extent of where, like, I think he's done as a starter. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, I think in today's NFL, to be a starting quarterback, you have to, like, it's a necessity that you are mobile. Um, when you look at it, I, I think you can only count on one hand right now the quote-unquote non-mobile quarterbacks they start in the NFL. Yeah. Tom Brady, you can't count Matt Ryan because he's in the starter. Um, Kirk Cousins and, is kind of Kirk a statue. Uh, and that's really it. Mac, Mac Jones. Well. Yeah, and Mac, Mac Jones. 
Yeah. So it's, it's three quarterbacks out of 32 teams. So, like, that, that shows you that the game has changed and you have to, like, somebody said it best. I can't remember who it was, but they said back in the day when you had football players, you would take the best athlete and put them at running back. Now you take the best athlete and you put them at quarterback. Right. And, and like, that's the testament of, what today's NFL is it's like you had all of these quarterbacks from Josh Allen to Lamar Jackson to Kyler Murray to even Ryan Tannehill like they're supremely um, gifted athletes who can run and can move and they can also still make throws and so when you have a guy like Matt Ryan who isn't gifted athletically and his ability to make throws is dwindled he's not going to be a starter but I do think he could be a good backup for a team with like a rookie like quarterback, a rookie quarterback, or just like a team like case in point, a team like the Bills, who just would need like a steadying presence in their locker room. Like I could see Matt Ryan signing like a one-year deal to be Josh Josh Allen's backup. Yeah, no, I could totally see that. Um, I think he's done for this season for sure. And to be fair, I'm not going to totally rag on Matt Ryan, even though I could, because through seven games, he leads the league with nine picks and 11 fumbles. It's not good. But, I mean, the Colts' offense around him has also been bad. The offensive line has really struggled to run black. Jonathan Taylor, after a crazy year last year, has been quiet. He doesn't have that many great nah, – I'm not going to say great. He doesn't have many good receivers around him. So it's not like – I'll say this. It's not like a situation like in the good days of Atlanta when he had weapons on weapons. And I think that, unfortunately, Matt Ryan is kind of being used as a scapegoat. Now, he has played terrible. Don't get me wrong. But I think the problems go well beyond Matt Ryan. So that's why I don't think he's, like, totally done. I think, like you said, I could see him being a backup. Like, I could definitely see him signing with a team and kind of just being, like, a guiding force for some, like, a rookie quarterback. And kind of just being like a steady presence there. Because, for example, like in Philly, I'm not Philly, um, what's called, in Carolina, I feel like Baker's gone and Sam Darnold is gone after this year. P.J. Walker, I doubt he's going to say is the third. So I can see a team like Carolina signing Matt Ryan to kind of just be like an influence and like a mentor for whoever they end up drafting because they're drafting a quarterback with their first pick, obviously. So I can see him working in a situation like that, but... As terms of the starter, yeah, I agree with you. I think that that time is done. But all right, let's go ahead. Quick game of believable or buffoonery, starting off with the Denver Broncos. As we all know, it has not been the start that everybody has thought it was going to be in mile high and to the point where maybe even it could start costing people jobs. Um, Dan Grazinio of The Score reported that there have been discussions around the league that Nathaniel Hackett's job could be on the line depending on the outcome of the Broncos and Jags game. Let's say the Broncos do lose this game. Believable or buffoonery, the Broncos should fire Coach Hackett. Um, I'm going to say buffoonery simply because I think his his best his top running back has been hurt. His a hundred million dollar quarterback has has been hurt and hasn't really played to his potential. 
I think the only thing that can make this believable is, is he has made some bad decisions down the stretch that has cost them games. Like, they probably could be, what, two? No, I forgot what the Broncos record is. Right now, they're two and five. So they probably could be four and five because I feel like two games that they lost really were losses because of his decision making. The Seahawks game was one. Yeah. And um, the Colts game was another one. So, yeah, they could be four and five. They could still potentially be in the hunt. So, I think it's a toss-up. I probably would say no simply because I think it'll be hard just to – like, bring this guy in, you basically fire him out the way. Seven games? About to be, yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's – I don't think it's fair either. And I know life's not fair. I get that. But I think, like, it's so many new pieces around this team to where it's like it's, you can't expect all these new pieces just to come together seamlessly and everything's going to be perfect. Like, yes, Nathaniel Hackett has made some questionable decisions. I don't think anybody doubts that. But, I mean, like you mentioned, Devontae Williams, who was supposed to be their lead back, has been hurt. You factor in Russell Wilson being hurt, not playing up to snuff yet. I think it's going to take time to get chemistry. It's been a bad offensive line. Like, it's just been a lot of issues out of Nathaniel Hackett's control. And so I think if you fire him this early, especially if it's not like an Urban Meyer situation where it's a whole bunch of scandals and shenanigans going on, I don't think that's right. And I say at least give him a season. Now, if y'all go two and what? How many games? Two and 15? Yeah, blow it up. He's got to go. But realistically, give him a chance to kind of work things out, allow him to get chemistry and comfortability with this team before making any major changes. All right, last question before we make our game picks. Um, Earlier this week, the Tennessee Titans uh, posted on social media their ideas for the renderings for their new stadium. And low-key, the renderings look pretty good. So let's say the renderings actually turn out to be what the stadium really looks like, believable or buffoonery. The Titans will have the best stadium in the league. Uh, I think they'll be in the top five. I think the Death Star in Las Vegas is still the will be the number one stadium in my opinion. That is a nice. They have a nice one. SoFi Stadium in LA is nice. Minnesota's is beautiful. So yeah, I can see top five. All right, let's go ahead and get to the fun part. Week eight game picks. Hopefully, the Thursday night football will be fun for me. My Baltimore Ravens heading to Tampa to take on the Bucks. I got Ravens. Yeah, I got Ravens. I mean, not Tampa Bay. Uh, Denver Broncos heading to London to face the Jacksonville Jaguars. I got Broncos and Russ's return game. Fingers crossed. I got Jags. Of course you do. Just ain't got no faith. But, I mean, it's easy not to have faith in them or the Packers. Uh, Arizona Cardinals versus the Minnesota Vikings. I think this is going to come down to the wire. But I've said it before. I've said it again. Who's going to stop Jay Jettis? I got Vikings. This is tough. Because I agree with you, who's gonna stop Jay Jettis? But DeAndre Hopkins showed that he hadn't missed a beat. But I think the better overall team is Minnesota, so I'm gonna go with Minnesota. And also with D Hop, like D Hop's gonna get his. That's fine. But it's it's one of those things where it's like as it show like if D Hop is not getting the targets, I don't and nobody else really is because I know he had ten catches. I don't remember how many times he got targeted. Like so. I think if the Vikings can 
keep D Hop in check and by say that by saying I mean like if you can keep him around seventy five yards because it's not like the Cardinals really have much of a run game. They can win that game. Uh, Miami Dolphins versus the Detroit Lions. As much as I want to say Detroit, I got Dolphins. I ain't yeah, Uh Dallas Cowboys versus the Chicago Bears. I got Cowboys. Cowboys. Las Vegas Raiders versus the New Orleans Saints. I would love for the Saints to pull this out, but I got Raiders. I got Raiders. Uh, Carolina Panthers versus the Atlanta Falcons. I don't trust either of these teams, but I'm going to say Panthers with the question mark. I'm going to say Falcons. That's fair. I could see both. All right. Uh, New York Jets versus the New England Patriots. The Jets better not lose with that black-on-black combo. Yeah, because that black-on-black combo is tough. It's, it's really nice. All right. P- Battle for Pittsburgh. Uh, the, I'm sorry, not Pittsburgh. Battle for Pennsylvania. The Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Philadelphia Eagles after their bye. I got Eagles. Is TJ White playing? I don't think so. He's practicing, but I don't know if he's actually going to play. Okay, because I was going to say they might change my pitch slightly. Uh, really? I got Eagles. Even with TJ Watt, I don't think so. Just because I don't think he's going to automatically come back and be the same guy. Maybe in a week or two. Uh, Tennessee Titans versus the Houston Texans. I got Titans. Titans. Seattle Seahawks versus the New York Giants. I got Seahawks. Seahawks. Uh, San Francisco 49ers versus the Los Angeles Rams. I always pick the Rams, and I'm always wrong. So I'm just going to go with 49ers. I'm going 49ers, too. Washington Commanders versus the Indianapolis Colts. The battle of the backups. I'm going to go Commanders. Mmm. Commanders. All right, Sunday Night Football. Buffalo Bills versus the Green Bay Packers. I got Bills, and I don't, it's not going to be close. I got Bills by 50. I, I, could see, I could see them scoring 50. All right, last but not, well, kind of least. Monday Night Football, Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Cleveland Browns. I don't care who the Browns quarterback would have been. I'm going Cincy. I got Cincy by 30. Yeah, no, nah, for real, though. Like, even if Denzel Ward don't play, like, I, it's, it's going to be ugly. All right, so uh, let's talk the players we are watching. Uh, starting off offensively, who you watching this week? Offensively, uh, shoot, it's a lot of people I'm actually watching. I know, I feel that. Well, honestly, I think we're gonna watch Kenny Pickett. Uh, I don't like I said, like we both say, I don't see them beating the Eagles, but. I want to see if he's going to make progressions to being a better player. Um, in a game like this against the Eagles, when you're playing against a really nice secondary and really just a nice defense overall, like, are we going to see a situation to where he plays so bad that they throw Mitch Trubisky back in the game just because? Or is it going to be a situation where it's like, okay, you can see him make improvements, but they lost. I could see it being a situation like that because Loki, just imagine how bad of a look it's going to be like if they bench Kenny Pickett. Like, nah, never mind. We're going back to Mitch. Oh, that'd be fun. All right. Uh, offensively, I'm watching Russell Wilson. Missed last game. By the way, he's the reason why I picked the Jets to lose last week. He didn't play. So, Loki, that pick shouldn't count. But, like I said, I mean, this is a must win for Denver. I mean, nothing against the Jacksonville Jags because they have been very competitive. Loki, they should have won last week if it weren't for some late-game shenanigans. But I think that you're still the Broncos. You're still Russell Wilson. You're still 
in your heart of hearts, you believe you're a top quarterback. It's games like this where you show you're a top quarterback, especially because technically the season's not over yet. If they can go on a run, they can start making some noise. And But it has to start somewhere, and I think that it has to start on Sunday. Uh, defensively, who you watching? Defensively, uh, I'm watching Robert Quinn. I mean, I think he's going to play. I think so. But if he is, just to see how, like, is he going to be one of those guys you can actually put him on that defensive front and he can make an impact? He might not necessarily get a sack, but at least to see how many pressures he gets when he's in a situation to where, like, the whole entire offensive line isn't going to be focused on him because everyone that goes around him is good as well. That's true. I'm going to go with one of my favorite LSU Tigers, Devin White. I don't want the Bucks to win. Lord knows I don't. But y'all know I love you some Devin White. One of the best linebackers in the league. And they are going to need him to slow down a guy like Lamar Jackson, especially if Lamar Jackson is running around like he normally does. He is, as I called him when he got drafted, he's the EST of the NFL draft. He is the fastest, strongest, best. He's the, all of that. And he's going to need to be that and more to slow down Lamar Jackson. Because, honestly, if you're going to have a quarterback spy, it's few better to have than Devin White. Um, What rookie are you watching? Well, you already mentioned Kenny Pickett, but is there another one? Uh, Jordan Davis. That's going to be fun. Um, I'm going to say Damian Pierce. We all know what the Titans are going to do. They're going to run it down your throat using Derrick Henry, who – Nobody's really talked about Derrick Henry, but, I mean, he's still a top three running back in this league. And I think between that, if you're the Texans, what do you do? You have to take time of possession as well. You got to pound the rock, too. And in order to do that, you got to get a lot of Damian Pierce. I know that the Titans' secondary has not been great, so you might want to exploit them through the air, but you don't have the weapons to do it. So what do you do? You give the ball to your best offensive player, which has been Damian Pierce this season. Uh, What team are you calling out? Team I'm calling now. Um, I'm honestly, I'm calling y'all now. Oh my gosh, please. Like, Granny, I think this. I think this game today is going to be. It's not going to be super high scoring. It's going to be a tough contest, but like, is it going to be one of those like wins where you look up and you say like, hey, yes, we. The, Buccaneers aren't on paper what we thought they were. But, like, this could be a win because you, quote-unquote, you beat Tom Brady. It could be a win that could, like, propel a big playoff push. Are you guys going to get it? Right. Yeah, I feel – I'm also calling out Baltimore. Um, I mean, first things first, the, the Bucks are going to be without four of their starting six defensive backs. So what that tells me is we better be throwing the crap out of this ball. Also, for Baltimore, it's really been win, lose, win, lose, win. Right now, statistically, if uh, I was a betting woman, I'd probably say we were going to lose just based off the season. Prove me wrong. Let's win back-to-back games. And let's do it against a team like Tampa Bay. Because like you said, their record may not reflect it, but they still have a lot of really good pieces. We got to, in the AFC, you got to carry your own weight. I don't want to have to deal with the wild card picture. I want to win our division outright. And games like this are ones that we have to win. So I am calling out Baltimore. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA, and let's talk our Mambas of the Week. Ethan, who is your Eastern Mamba of this past week of action? 
Giants. Yeah, mine too. Back to back forty plus games. I mean, like he told the uh, Ben Simmons, Loki could tell the whole team they too little. Yeah, Giannis is mine too. All right, who's your Western Mamba of the week? Ja. That's fair. I'm gonna go Damian Lillard. Um, I know he got hurt last uh, last night. The Heat gave them their first loss of the season, but I mean, Dame has really. Dame's been going off. I mean, prior to getting hurt, had 22, 2-2, 31-6-8 the game before it dropped 40 in back-to-back games. I mean, by watching him play, you wouldn't even know that he missed almost all of last year. And I don't think it's going to really lead to the Trailblazers going too far, but it's nice seeing Dame getting back to where he has been. All right, who's your Ricky Mamba of the week? Ricky Mamba. There's only one option. It's Paolo. Yeah, we in the same boat. I also have Paolo. Um, I think he set uh Mad Mags oh not Mag Magic's le- record for what rookie points. I think he like tied or like passed Shaq through the first like five games of his career. So congratulations to him. All right, uh Ethan, what are your top three takeaways of this past week of action? Uh top three takeaways are the Houston Rockets are gonna be Everyone's talked about the San Antonio Spurs being the worst team of the um of these years. But the Houston Rockets are going to be a very close second. Um like I stated, I watched I watched a lot of the Grizzlies versus Rockets game and it was competitive to a point but they can't stop anything. Like they gave 